My life is hid with Christ on high. Do you know that your life is hidden in Christ, Colossians tells us? And that you are not what you're going to be. Uh, You are not even seen to be what you are. It's all in him. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Joshua chapter 5. Last time we looked at the fact that um, the nation of Israel were brought through the Jordan River. God worked that out, brought them through. The, the river opened up, and, and he, he, he showed Joshua was the leader that he could be with Joshua just the same as he could be with um, Moses. And so he's, he, he, he's, he's put his hand on Joshua. And so they're across the Jordan now. He's told Joshua to circumcise all the people because they hadn't circumcised them while they were in the wilderness. Uh, Joshua has done that. And now they're facing the first <clears throat> obstacle in their conquest of the land of Canaan. It's the formidable obstacle of the city of Jericho. Now, Jericho is a huge city with great walls, double walls, in fact. And it's virtually, humanly impossible uh, to get into. Uh, normally what they did in those days with a city like Jericho is they, they, they laid siege to it. Uh, <clears throat> they gathered the whole army around it. They didn't let any food go in or water go in. They <clears throat> and, and they waited until the city broke, until the city could, couldn't last any longer. That could take years to happen, <clears throat> right? And Joshua uh, is the man that's tasked with leading this nation of Israel in tackling this first impossible obstacle, uh, the city uh, of Jericho. And he's no idea what to do. Now we can imagine that there's pressure on him from the ranks. The people are saying, what are we going to do, Joshua? And Joshua's answer is, I don't know. Isn't that a silly answer for a leader to give? That kind of puts pressure on him. Uh, Come on, Joshua, we've got to move. We're supposed to take this land. What's the plan, Joshua? I don't know. I haven't gotten the plan from God yet. Uh, Joshua, what gives here? We, we crossed the Jordan. We've obeyed and we've circumcised uh, all, all our children. Uh, what are we supposed to do here, Joshua? And Joshua finds himself one evening, and I can imagine that Joshua's feeling the heat. He's feeling the pressure. He's feeling uh, the, 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 the reality of, I'm supposed to make a plan, and I haven't got a clue what the plan is. And so he's out wandering around. I imagine he's wandering around looking at Jericho and thinking, this place is impossible. Lord, you've got to speak. You've got to tell me what to do. <clears throat> you've got to show me the way forward in this situation. Have you ever been in a place like that in your life? But you just didn't know what to do or where to go. And you come to the place where <clears throat> you don't know what to do or where to go, and you come to the place eventually where you're crying out to God. Now, there's <clears throat> a couple of things we can do when we get to that place in our lives. We can just say, right, you know what? I'm going to do the best I can. And um, Joshua could have done that. He could have gotten the troops. He could have rallied them all. He could have said, we're going after Jericho. We're going to get in there. We'll climb those walls. We'll scale those walls. We'll knock a hole in the walls. Somehow, some way, <clears throat> we're going to get into Jericho and we're going to take that city. And do you know what would have happened? It would have been a catastrophe. It would have been an absolute disaster. Because it was impossible. Sometimes we do that, though, don't we? We get fed up waiting. And so we make something happen. And usually, if my experience is anything to go by, when we make something happen, it's pretty bad. Because waiting is hard for us, isn't it? Waiting on God to show us what to do. Waiting on God to lead us. Waiting on God to give us the plan. That's hard for us. We don't like that. We want want to go ahead and, and, and make it happen. The other thing we can do is we can wait on God. We can say, okay, Lord, I'm going to wait for you to show me the plan, 
I'm going to wait for you to show me what you want me to do. And that's tough, but it's always best. And you know, the truth is, God always makes us wait, doesn't he? God makes us wait. God makes Joshua wait. And uh, In our passage, we're going to see God answer the cry of Joshua's heart. And we're going to see some, <clears throat> some things here that are helpful to us as we battle the difficult things of life. As we battle the Jerichos in our lives, because we all have Jerichos. We all have impossible things. We all have impossible things that God wants us to overcome, but he wants us to overcome them his way. Let me say this about Joshua. Joshua was not a great leader. Joshua was a great follower. And because Joshua was a great follower, he looks like a great leader. And you know what? If you and I will be great followers, we will look like great leaders. Because God has the plan. And he doesn't even need you and I uh, to come up with a plan. God has the plan. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, would you bless us as we look to your word this morning? Would you bless me? Give me clarity of thought this morning, Lord. And would you bless this dear people, Lord? And may your word speak to each heart and help each one, Lord, with the difficulties in their lives. And Lord, may we really rejoice in because we've met with you and because you've spoken to us and helped us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as the captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Question for us this morning is, whose side is God's on? Whose side is God on? Um, the arrogant will say he's on my side. He's always on my side. Right? The, the timid will say, well, 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 I hope he is. Right? And the, the self-doubting will say, well, he's never on my side. But the reality is, he's not on anybody's side. God's on his own side. God is actually operating, working his plan. And if we understand that, if we take that on board, that God's got the plan and he's working out the plan, and we recognize the reality that that, that God is working out his plan and our best efforts need to be spent finding his plan and doing what he would have us do rather than trying to strike out and, uh, and make a plan and make it happen what we'll find is we'll find that we're on God's side and when we're on God's side we always win we always come out right <clears throat> first of all in this passage there's an encounter uh, near Jericho right <clears throat> And um, the encounter near Jericho is Joshua uh, meeting up with this uh, captain of the Lord's host. And as we've said, he's probably out there surveying Jericho. He's wandering around the walls, looking for some way in, some way to deal with the situation, looking for, looking for wisdom from God, talking to God as he goes. I, that's what I'd be doing. I imagine that's what he'd be doing too. He's out there crying out to the Lord and saying, Lord, we can't do this. Unless you, unless you show me a way that this is impossible. We're going to fail at the first obstacle, Lord. <clears throat> and so he's out there walking around Jericho, uh, and um, then he, he meets this being w- with, with a sword drawn. Obviously, 
a warrior. Obviously, somebody who's got power and authority in the situation, but he doesn't know. So he asks, whose side are you on? And the being says, I'm not. Which is a very strange answer to give to the question of whose side are you on. Now, who is this being? Well, I believe it's a Christophany. And a Christophany is an appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. See, Jesus was God, which means he had a past as well as a future. He didn't start uh, in Mary's womb. He was fully God from eternity past, and he condescended to come down and be born uh, in human flesh and to live on the earth. So, so he has a past. And several times uh, we see him in the Old Testament. This is one of those times. Now, now you say, how do you know it's Christ? How do you know it's not an archangel or something? You know by this, Joshua worships him, and the angel doesn't say, no, don't worship me, I'm just an angel. He, he accepts the worship. Why? Because this is the Son of God that Joshua is speaking. <clears throat> and, and, and he tells Joshua that, that he's the captain of the Lord's host. And Joshua has this obvious question for him. Uh, the, and the obvious question is this. Whose side are you on? Isn't that what you want to know? Whose side are you on? And <clears throat> I think we're always wanting to know whose side God is on in the situation. We're always looking to know whether he's on our side or, or, or the other side. And normally, uh, <clears throat> we're foolish enough to think, well, he's going to be on my side in the situation. Because we think we're the good guys, don't we? That's amazing how we all, we all think we're the good guys. Well, let, let me give you some examples, okay? Um, <clears throat> cowboys and Indians, who are the good guys and who are the bad guys? The cowboys are the good guys, aren't they? Unless, of course, you happen to be an Indian. Then the Indians are the good guys and the cowboys are the bad guys. <clears throat> let me give you another situation, right? Ireland versus England. Who's the good guys and who's the bad guys there? That's a no-brainer, isn't it, uh, for an Irish audience? Unless, of course, you happen to be English, and then the situation looks completely different. Uh, who are the good guys? Uh, the, the U.S. versus Saddam Hussein? Well, if you're in the U.S., uh, if you're American, well, they're the good guys. But if you live in Iraq and your country's wrecked, uh, you may not think they're such good guys. So here's the thing. We're always looking to know who's the good guy. We're always thinking we're the good guys, and therefore because we're the good guy, God's on our side. But that may not necessarily be. In fact, that's never true. There's an interesting story told in the New Testament. Uh, the rich young ruler comes to the Lord Jesus. And he comes running. This man is interested. This man wants the Lord Jesus. And he says, good master, what must I do to, to obtain eternal life? And Jesus answers him. Jesus had a way of kind of totally upending the question he was asked with the answer he gave, right? So instead of telling the guy what he needs to do to get to heaven, which is what he asked, Jesus says this to him. He says, why callest thou me good? None is good save one. That is God. Do you know this, that we're not the good guys? Do you know this, that you're not the good guy? He said, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. You see, here's the thing. We think we're the good guys. Israel thought they were the good guys. And you would say, now hang on a minute. If ever there was a nation that were the good guys, it was... Israel. They were God's people raised up uh, to bear the Messiah into the world and to show the world the power of God. But do you know that every time God left Israel to their own devices, they wrecked the plan completely. In fact, in spite of God's intervention, in spite of God stepping in over and over again to, to redirect Israel, they eventually wrecked and they lost the land that they're just about to gain here now anyway completely. See, here's the problem for them. 
They thought they were the good guys. They forgot that they were the followers of a good God. Now, you and I need to understand that. We need to understand that we're not the good guys. We're the followers of a good God. The idea for us is not that we get God on our side because we're the good guys. God's not going to follow man ever. God's not going to come uh, into your situation and operate your plan ever. God wants you to come on his side and operate his plan. That's a completely different thing. So <clears throat> when Joshua asks the, uh, this being that he's confronted with, whose side are you on? He says, nay, I'm not. Not on anybody's side. What's the obvious conclusion? I'm on my own side. I've got a plan for this situation, Joshua, and it's my battle, it's my war, it's not your war, it's not your battle, Joshua. You're not the one that's in charge here. You're not supposed to have the plan. Now, to be fair to Joshua, Joshua understands this. That's why he was chosen as the leader for the nation uh, of Israel at this point, because he had followed Moses, he had seen God work, and God knew this was a man that he could depend upon to actually follow him and do what he wanted him to do and not to take and run and do his own thing and go his own way. I think we need to learn from Joshua sometimes. I think we need to learn from Joshua. You and I can have great plans. i got great plans sometimes. The only problem with my great plans is they're not God's plans, they're my plans. And when I want God to come on board and help me with my plans, very often he's not interested because he's not interested in following me. He has a plan. He wants to operate that plan because that's the best plan. And he wants you and I to come to the place where instead of ordering our own paths, what we do is we look to him and let him show us the way and let him lead us on the path and let him show us what the best way forward is. And, you know, sometimes in our lives, that's, that's really not what we want. I mean, this plan that God's going to give for Jericho, and we'll look at it next time, but this plan that God's going to give for Jericho, you're going to wander around the belly for seven days, and then at the end the walls are going to fall down, Joshua, and in you go, you take the place. I mean, if I was Joshua, I'd be saying, look, that's great. listen, it's your plan, God, I'm sure, I'm sure it's going to work really well. But, you know, I've got all these guys, and they're full of testosterone. They have their swords sharpened. They are ready to fight. They don't want to go for a, for a hike around Jericho every day for a week. Can we not let them do some fighting and let them just kind of get on with it? And um, you know, because you can do anything, you can bring the walls down tomorrow if you like. And you know, the plan that God had for Jericho was not the most obviously satisfying to Joshua and the men. And here's the reality: God's plans are often not the ones that are satisfying to the flesh. God's plans are often not what we want to happen. And you and I are very inclined to devise a plan that's satisfying to the flesh and say, okay, God, now come on, listen, come on, get on board here. Uh, I'm, I'm one of the good guys. <clears throat> you know me. I'm yours. Now, come on, I, I, I want you to help me make this happen, and all the glory will be to you, God, but it wouldn't. Most of the glory would go to you, and you would just kind of give God the leftovers. And he's never going to do that. He's not interested. He's got a plan. He's got a way he wants to work out this world. He's got a way he wants to work out your life. It's a good plan. It's the best plan, in fact. And he wants you to get on board with him. He doesn't want to get on board with you and follow your plan. And sometimes we're terribly frustrated because he just won't get involved. He just won't come to the party. 
He just won't get on board. I want, I want to do this. I want to see this happen. And he's, and he's not coming. He's not doing it. And we need to recognize, no, he's not. He's never going to follow you. He's never going to follow me. But if I follow him, if you follow him, you're going to find out that his plan is the best plan. You're going to find out that his plan is where you want to be. I found that, that, that out dozens of times in my life. Sometimes to my cost, because I've gone my own direction, doing my own thing, and it's cost me greatly. And finally, when I found his plan, it was a much better plan anyway. But <clears throat> sometimes I've had to go my own way <clears throat> first and, and, and then come to the place where I would surrender to his plan. And I think I'm learning that, you know, I'm much better off surrendering to his plan than going my own way and doing my own thing. I'm much, much better off not, not getting so involved in something that I want it to happen so bad that I'm kind of trying to get God involved in it. Uh, I'm much better off when I say, no, Lord, what's the plan here? What do you want me to do? <clears throat> but you know what you're going to find, though? Like Joshua, what you're going to find is this. You're going to find that God makes you wait on the plan. And you don't want to wait. Because you don't like waiting. You, you want it to happen now. Israel have waited. We don't know how many days. They'd, they'd crossed the Jordan. They'd circumcised everybody, which is probably a week at least for them to heal. And, um, you know, so they've waited now for a week, and God is saying, another week. Why don't you just walk around? That, that's not a very satisfying plan. It's, it's, it's wait for my plan, and, and then my plan all, often involves waiting. You see, here's the thing Joshua was supposed to do. Joshua was simply... To obey. Remember, remember back in chapter 1 when we talked about the call of Joshua and how God called him uh, <clears throat> into this work. What did God say to Joshua? Joshua, now I want you to follow me. I want you to do it my way. I want you, don't want you to turn to the right hand or the left, Joshua. I just want you to follow it straight down the line. Do it my way. Listen to my word and do it my way, Joshua. That's the way I want you to do it. I want you to follow me. Then you're going to be prosperous. Then you're going to know good success. Then it's all going to work out. And Joshua got it. And here we have him on the first battle. He's, he's waiting. He's excited. But you know what? After the first battle, when they take Jericho, he's going to get excited. And he's going to not wait on God's plan. He's going to send men into Ai, and 36 men are going to die. Because God said, I want you to do it my way, Joshua. Do you, do you know that God wants you to do it his way? God's not interested in you devising a plan. God's not interested in you being real clever and coming up with a way to do it. He just wants you to do it His way. And then you will know prosperity and success in your life when you do it His way. He blesses that. Because what you're doing is you're putting yourself in the place where you're on God's side. Not asking God to get on your side. You see... Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Sometimes we think because we bear the, na- the label Christian that we're the good guys. And that's not so. There is a good one. And he dwells within us. And as long as we're surrendered to him, as long as we're walking in the spirit, listen, we're doing great. But when we step out of that, and walk our own way and do our own thing, what happens is we're on our own. And it can go really bad. You see, when we think we're the good guys, we step out of the economy of 
mercy and into the economy of merit. Now, what do I mean by that? God works in this economy of mercy. God deals with us always through mercy. In other words, he doesn't give us what we deserve. Because he's a good God and because he loves us, he he blesses us even though we don't deserve it. But when I step out of the economy of mercy and into the economy of merit, i.e., I'm a good guy, I've got this thing sorted out, I'm, a, I'm one of the good Christians. Because even in Christianity, this is right. You've got all the different sections of Christianity looking down on each other because everybody thinks they're better than the rest, and, you know, it's totally unchristian. <clears throat> but what happens is, um, <clears throat> when we do that, we step out of the economy of mercy and we step into the economy of merit And God doesn't operate in the economy of merit. Because if God were to give you what you deserve, it would be a pretty sad day. If God were to give you and I what we've earned, that would be a pretty sad day. But when I'm I'm in the place where I know I need mercy, then God's operating in a place where he can give to me, where he can take care of me, where he can bless me. It's not what I deserve. It's his mercy in the situation. And it's so easy for us to slip from one side to the other, and we end up in the economy of merit. And God's not playing ball with us there. God's waiting for us to come back to the, to the, to the, to the, uh, to the economy of mercy. All right. Um, that is an extraordinary answer. Right? The extraordinary answer is No. I'm not on anybody's side. And we need to buy into that. God's not on anybody's side. Um, Somebody asked the question of uh, of President Lincoln of the U.S. uh, If he thought was on the Union side in the Civil War, uh, that was his side. Now, the Civil War in America was a particularly horrible war. Uh, It's a civil war. It's a nation fighting against itself, brother against brother, family against family. It's pretty bad. To complicate things further, though, both sides claimed to be Christian. And both sides had a lot of Christians on them. You know, there were a lot of Christians uh, involved in this battle, and and, and they're killing each other. Now, that kind of complicates things, doesn't it? Because God is on the Christian side, isn't he? But both sides are Christians, so which side is the answer? Somebody asked Lincoln if he thought God was on the Union side. And Lincoln's answer is wonderful. He was a very wise man. He said, sir, my concern is not whether God is on our side. My greatest concern is to be on God's side, for God is always right. He didn't want God to be on his side. He wanted to be on God's side. Do you know that's great? You and I need to get that. We don't want God on our side. We want to be on his side. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to order my life? How do you want me to tackle the problems in my life? Lord, I'm looking to you. I'm depending upon you. And you're asking God. You're looking for his will and way, not your own. You're looking for him to help you, not for you to do it by yourself. We need to learn that. We need to understand that. The the, the Lord told um, Joshua, I'm, I'm not on anybody's side. You need to be on my side, Joshua. And then the Lord tells him something else. He says, I'm the captain of the Lord's host. You know, the battle for Jericho was going to be fought on two different levels completely. One level was the level that Joshua and his men were going to go in with swords, and they were going to take the city. 
That was real. That was going to happen. That was Joshua's responsibility as he followed God's plan. But you know what the Lord is saying to him? Joshua, that's not where the real battle is going to happen. The real battle for Jericho is going to happen in the heavenlies, and that's my battle. And I'm going to take Jericho, and I'm going to take the land of Canaan, and I'm going to give it to you, Joshua, because that's my plan. I'm going to do it, Joshua, not you. And we need to get that too. We need to understand this. You know, listen, the battles in my life are not mine. God didn't leave me here to fight my battles by myself. Don't you sometimes feel like he has? Don't you sometimes feel like you're on your own? Don't you sometimes feel like this, this, this obstacle has come up and there's no way for you to deal with it and you're on your own and you've got to face it? And what God is looking for you to do is to come to the place where you yield to him and you recognize, no, the battle's not mine, Lord. The battle is yours. Think, think if we could get that in our heads, in our, in our hearts, in our lives. Life would be much easier for us. I think it would be, wouldn't it? Life would be a whole lot easier if we come to the place where we understand, the battle's not mine. The battle is the Lord's. You know, when David was going to face Goliath, it was an impossible obstacle. There was no way David could win over Goliath. Goliath was a seasoned warrior. David was a stripling. He was a teenager. He was a lad, a sheep herd. There was no way that David could win, but he said this. He said, the battle is not mine, but the Lord's. And he went out against Goliath because it was the Lord's will and it was the Lord's battle. And you know what? David, David fired the stone. How do you think the stone made it right into the right place in Goliath's armor? I think the finger of God took the stone and put it right there, don't you? Because the battle was not David's. The battle was the Lord's. David didn't even have a sword. He took Goliath's sword and took off his head with his own sword. The battle is not ours. It's the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that great for you and I don't understand? Oh, I think we spend so much time worrying and fretting and fearful because we think the battle's ours. I've got to win. How am I going to win? I don't, I don't know how I'm going to win. No, your battle is against your flesh so that you come to the place where you let the Lord lead in your life. Because he's got the battle in hand. He's the one that's doing the fighting. All you and I have got to do is do what he tells us to do, and it's going to work out just fine. Joshua's part in this battle was simple. Joshua, obey me. Don't turn from the right hand. Don't turn to the left. Joshua, just walk straight down the middle of the road. Do exactly what I tell you to do, Joshua, and it's all going to work out. I know, I understand. That's so unsatisfying to the flesh, isn't it? But, 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 but. Listen, put your butts to one side and say, Lord, I want your way. I want your plan. I want to follow your plan. And you know what happens for us in that place? We come to the place where, you know what? It's easy. See, I I love what Joshua says. I mean, I imagine, the text doesn't say it, but I imagine, and I don't think I'm wrong, and I imagine that Joshua was, was really enduring a time of trial when he's trying to work out how to take Jericho. And then he meets this captain of the host, and the captain of the host says, I'm not on your side. Um, I'm the captain of the hosts of the Lord. Um, and Joshua falls on his face to the earth and he worships and he said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? Isn't that lovely? Lord, what do you want me to do? I don't have to dream up the plan. 
I don't have to get my council together and we make the plan. I don't have to work it all out. I just have to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And you know, here's the thing. You can have a plan and I can have a plan and we don't know. It could be a disaster, couldn't it? I've had some disastrous plans. I've, some, I've, I've, I've had some plans that when I was finished with the plans, they put me further back than I was when I started. I'm sure you have too. You see, your plans can, can go terribly, because you know you don't know. You, you, you like to think, you know, you kind of got a bit of wisdom about you, and you, you know a thing or two about a thing or two, but the reality is you don't know. I don't know. But he does. And when you come to the place where you say, okay, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do? And, and there's that surrender in your heart, and there's that saying, Lord, I want your way. Oh, isn't that a sweet place to be? You can't lose when you're there. You're in that place where you're surrendered to Him. <clears throat> trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. And there really isn't. The sweetest place in the world for you and I is that place of surrender. Sometimes it's hard to get there. Sometimes it's hard for us to come to the place where we're just, we can't do it. Lord, what do you want me to do? But you know, it's amazing how quickly doors open for us once we come to that place where we're surrendered to God and we're putting ourselves in God's hands because he's got the plan. He's not waiting on you to come up with the plan. And Joshua says, Lord, what would you have me to do? I want you to notice, though, <clears throat> what the Lord says to him. Uh, <clears throat> and the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, listen, Joshua's crying out looking for the plan of how to take Jericho. And he's going to get it. God's going to give him the plan, right? Uh, Because we know, because in the next chapter, he's going to actually take Jericho. And he's going to take it according to this uh, plan of the Lord. But when he asked the Lord what he should do, the first thing is this. Joshua, this is holy ground. Why was it holy ground? Because God was there. You can't fellowship with God apart from holiness. He, he, he just won't do it. He, he won't fellowship with you apart from you being holy. Now you say, well, what do I have to do with holy? Do I have to get a whole list of things? And, and Holiness is, is, is more a matter of your heart wanting him more than you want the world than it is about what you do. Now don't get me wrong. Wanting him more than you want the world is going to lead you to do and not do certain things. But it's a heart thing. It's a you setting yourself apart. Joshua's going to take off his shoes, the defilement of the world, and put them away. And he's going to come and, and meet with the Lord. Uh, but he's going to be holy. See, here's what you and I sometimes think. We sometimes think that we can have a bit of the world and a bit of God. Because the world's not all bad, and we want fun, and we want this, and we want that, and we want the other. And listen, there's, there's, there's endless amount of things that you can do in the Lord that are not a problem. Right? But the problem for us is this, when we want that more than we want him. When we're drawn to the world more than we're drawn to him. And you see, what we're, what we're likely to do is we're likely to come to God. And, and there's kind of three ways we can do this. First of all, we'll come to God and we'll say, to God, okay, God, I want you to get on board. I've got a plan here. This, this, is, this is a good plan. I'm, I'm going this direction. I, know, I want you to get on board. I want you to help me uh, achieve my goals and my aims. And God says, nay. Not on your side. 
I'm not following you. You need to follow me. Or, or we might get more spiritual than that. We might come to the place where we say, okay, okay, okay. This is what I think you want me to do, Lord. Now, now Lord, uh, um, I'm going to surrender myself to you in this area because I, I want to achieve what you want me to achieve. And I want my life to be blessed. And I want things to go well for me. But these areas over here, Lord, I don't want you messing with them. They're, 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 they're my business. Right? Let's just focus on this area. I'm going to surrender to you completely in this area. And you know what the Lord does? The Lord gets all focused on those areas over there. Because he wants this sorted out. He wants this sorted out. Because here's the thing. You can't love God and mammon. You can't have it both ways. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Do you know what God wants from you? He wants you to come to the place where, Lord, I'm yours. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Lord, just show me what you want me to do. I'll do whatever you want me to do. He, he, he wants you to give up your own way and want his way. You know, you know, the New Testament talks about dying to self. You know, that as long as you live for self, you can only have the fruit of self. But when you give up on self, when you die to self, then you can have the fruit of God in your life. You can have so much more. God can do so much more when you give up on self, but we're very attached to self. And even when we're spiritual, what happens sometimes is we're looking for God to bless because we know this is the best thing. And we know this is the best way. But you know what? <clears throat> the, the reality is we, we want to hold on to the world in these areas, and God says, no, let it go. I got a better plan. Now, you know, if you're a Christian this morning... I don't think you're disputing what I'm saying. I think you know God's got a better plan. I think we all do. I don't think we doubt that. I don't think that, you know, you know, we think somehow, well, I know God's got some good plans, but I've got some great ones. I don't think any of us are daft enough to believe that. If we believe in God, the infinite God, the omnipotent God, the, the omniscient God who knows all things, I think we know he knows better than us. But you know what? Even knowing that, I think we get so attached to our own way and our own will that we'll want to go our own way. And you know what God's looking for us from us? He said, give it up. Yield it. Let it go. Take my way. Joshua, you want to take Jericho? Now, if Joshua is anything like me, he had at least three plans going on by now of what they could do with Joshua, although he knew it was impossible, what they could do with Jericho, although he knew it was impossible. Wouldn't you? And God says, none of those plans, Joshua. Do it my way, Joshua. And do the walking around Jericho every day for seven days. And you know, here's the reality. All of Joshua's plans would have failed. They would have been disastrous. There would have been mayhem and death because of them. But you know what? When Joshua followed God's plan... When Joshua sanctified himself, gave himself fully to the Lord, listened to the plan, and said, yes, Lord, and followed through on God's plan, you know what? It's a roaring success. It always is. It's always a success when we follow God's plan. Because he's God. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He, he knows how to work it out. You and I need to come to the end of self and put ourselves in the place 
or we're willing to say yes, Lord, and let him have his way. You see, you and I are not the good guys. And we're not as clever as we think we are. And we don't have the plan. And as long as we think we are, and as long as we think we have the plan, God has to wait on us to come to the end of ourselves. He has to wait on us to come to the place where we say, I can't do it. So that he can reveal his plan and we can follow his plan. Joshua was given a promise. Joshua, if you follow my word, don't turn to the right, don't turn to the left, then shalt thou know good success. Then shalt thou be prosperous. And you and I want to be successful. Success is going to look different for every one of us, but we want to be successful. You know how you're going to be successful? Come to the place where you say, Lord, I want your way. I want your way all the way. And you follow his way. Then you'll know great success. Let's stand for prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this morning, and we thank you for your word. And Lord, I do ask that you would just work it in each heart and in each life now.